Mind blown? Yes, of course. All this history, all these lies, is too much stimulus. It might work. I've fought the Matrix before, denied its reality. I can do it again. Maybe. Adam, everything we thought we knew, we did not know. <laughs> it was it was all just spun around on us. I think I'm I'm still reeling from the episode that I watched of Doctor Who the other day. Yeah, I what the master says in regards to from this point forward everything is going to be different. That very well might be true. I mean, we saw this coming, right? I mean, we knew it wasn't like they didn't warn us that everything's going to change. You you know, all the not in the show, they were warning us. Outside of the show, they were warning us that, you know, this is going to be a big deal, this final episode. Now, some of the stuff we thought was going to be a big deal didn't really happen. We had both kind of, you know, off and on predicted, well, you know what? I'm going to give myself credit for saying I didn't think any of the, the companions were going to die. I believe you thought at least one was going to. Yeah, I figured it was going to be a... A solid, solid ending with that. In fact, I expected for vast majority of the episode that we were maybe one weird master moment away from a companion being done. Yeah, there were moments I was I was thinking something might happen. Well, this might be a good way to start our episode because we have had we had some predictions off, off and on air about this episode. Yeah. And you and I had pulled up a tra- the, the, the latest trailer, which they had released after we recorded <laughs> the last episode. And we were, oh, yeah. Yeah. And we were looking through stuff and kind of made, made some calls or predictions there. So I'm trying to think of the things that we – maybe four things. We'll, we'll try to pick like four or five things that we, we were either right or wrong about <laughs> uh, about this episode before we get into the deeper discussion okay. of the, uh, the Timeless Children, which is part two of the finale of, of uh, season – what season are we in? Twelve. Season 13. twelve. <laughs> season twelve of of Doctor Who. Which but, can I just say that the title itself makes no sense. I was just thinking that before. Yeah, I was looking at you know, kind of looking through the notes and stuff. I'm like, the timeless children. I think that was just a their their um, way of misdirecting us a little bit. Misdirect or calling out the multiple regenerations of the timeless child. Perhaps. Yeah, you could definitely read it that way. I was thinking before we had seen anything, I was thinking, okay, timeless children. So it's maybe the doctor and the master or the doctor. Yep. And I like, uh, so we've been calling Joe Martin's doctor, Joe Martin's doctor. Yeah. Or uh, Ruth's doctor, Dr. Ruth. But I saw today that people have been calling her the fugitive doctor. And I kind of like that. I, I saw a reference to that as well, the fugitive doctor, and yeah, I agree. I I mean, we have the war doctor, now we have the fugitive doctor. I'll take it. It, it seems like a, a better um, better name. I mean, it is about to two syllables Ruth. too long, but you know, war doctor is easy. Right. But fugitive doctor, it's, it's a bit of a mouthful, but we can go with it. So yeah, when they're, we're trying to decide what the timeless children are, it's kind of like, well, it could be... The fugitive doctor and the doctor it could be you know any number of things but ultimately 
I don't know. I guess it was. It probably was just a reference to the Doctor's many regenerations as a child. Yeah. I I I think that's the thing that makes the most sense at this point. Yeah. So back to back to the uh, the things we got wrong or right. So what were some of the things that we had kind of predicted? We had predicted that you had said you thought um, Joe Martin would not be in the episode. I did say that. And I think that was in a text exchange. I don't think I actually. Uh, no, I think I did say it in the last recording. I think I you said did. that it's possible that she couldn't show up and the episode would still be strong. Yeah. So. So if any, for those of you taking notes or you know keeping score at home, that's one, uh, that's one X against Adam. Are we really going to score that way? I, yeah. I think I, I think that's no, open you, for debate. No, you said she was going to be in it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's open to debate whether or not she really show, whether she or not she really made an appearance. Oh come on, that was her. It was the actress was there. <laughs> Absolutely, and she even wow. Well, okay, so so you were wrong about that. Okay. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, you also said you thought the little girl by the portal was possibly Joe Martin's doctor. Yes, I did say that. I think that was off the air, but not true. There's another X for but, Adam's column. <laughs> technically, <laughs> that is true. It's not. Well, okay. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah, because it's the doctor, so it technically is true. But I think you meant... That it was a younger version of that character. I did. I did mean that. Okay. I will I will fess up to that. <laughs> um, okay, that's two things. What what else did we predict? Okay, you <laughs> right now you're just hitting off of all my bad ones. All the ones that I you got wrong. Text exchange, I did say that Bescott was gonna die. And she almost immediately dies within five minutes of the episode. Yes, Bescott, you called that the the um I predicted that the male guy that was with them, I can't remember his name, that's what I'm just calling him the male, but the the dude that was with them, he I predicted that him and Bescott would die. And so I was wrong about that. Yeah, Yidlarmi made it all the way through to the end. Yes. You also so you mentioned that Yaz would be um now you could spin this however you want it want at this point, but Yaz would be a Cyberman. I said it was Yaz in Cyberman armor because <laughs> we were looking at the trailer and there's that shot where she's she's got a tear and it looks like she's kind of in something or hiding in something. And yeah. I said I think that she's in Cyberman armor. And then you said I don't know, it looks too roomy for that. I did say that. And then I, I said I'm pretty sure that in the past they had shown people in in tight spaces that looked a little too roomy but yeah so so yeah I, i'll take credit for getting that one right uh, so i'm reading through our text conversation right now where we made some of these statements one of them you said was the doctor seems pretty upset when she attacks the master maybe they all die <laughs> and we get the vlog girl as her companion next season i mean that's, that's still the, the second part of that jury's still out on whether we see the vlog girl as the companion next season but not everybody died. <laughs> that was definitely said in jest. I did not <laughs> oh, think they would on. die. You can't back, you can't pull that one back. <laughs> uh but yeah, so I mean this this is the type of episode, this is what we love about Doctor Who this season, is that these are the type of thing these are the type of discussions that happen on and off air where you're just so excited about what's coming up, you're making predictions and you're trying to figure out all the mysteries of what's going on in Doctor Who. And I would say this episode definitely did not disappoint. I I had some issues with where the episode went, but overall, 
I thought it was very uh, on brand with what they've been doing this season. Yeah, absolutely. I will say my first watch through, it ended and hollow probably isn't the best way to describe it, but it felt like something, something was missing. Like it, it, it was kind of like cotton candy where it was really sweet in the moment. And then the more that I thought about it, the more it's like, did they, did they really resolve everything? Did they really explain what I wanted them to explain? Now on the second walkthrough, I think things that I missed just in light of the spectacle that was the episode the first time I watched it, some of those things I missed kind of came through a little bit more and things made, made a little bit more sense and it felt a little bit more satisfying. Um, but yeah, it, I think I think it kind of really does hold up with what we experienced, what we watched throughout the entire series. Yes. So this episode, and we're we're probably gonna jump around a bit. I think um, in past episodes we've kind of gone chronologically or in a pretty linear fashion through the episode. But I think right for this episode, I kind of want to just like hit the major points of like what happened in the big moments. Yeah, and just kind of discuss those, and even if we're like even focusing on certain characters. So, the master, you know, obviously we know he, we knew he was going to be in this episode. He shows up at the end of the last episode, and this episode starts out with him, you know, kind of right where the last episode left off, where he's he has shown up in the portal, and the doctor kind of continues her conversation with him. And I like this. This episode really sold me on this version of the master. Oh, absolutely. It felt like anytime he was on the screen, he really was the presence of the episode. He was the driving force behind pretty much everything that was happening, and he really carried vast majority of the episode. He he is I don't know, he's right up there with what I feel like the master should be. And what so we haven't gotten if we're talking purely modern Doctor Who, not classic, because yeah. I know there's yep. there's a couple versions of the Master and the classic Doctor Who, but just modern Doctor Who, what? So we've we've had the Doctor or the Master who showed up, um, in mainly in the Tenth Doctor's run, right? Played by Sims. Sims. Uh, and so the next Master we got was Missy, right? Yeah. And then that was against Capaldi, and then Sim came back. Or Sims came back as well briefly, and then and then now uh, this guy. So we've only had three versions of the Master in all of Modern Who. Right. It's kind of a big deal. It is. It is a big deal. It's almost interesting that they brought him back so fast after after Missy. It. I was surprised, and I wasn't necessarily a fan of the idea right off the bat. Okay, so you weren't. When he when he was revealed in um, the spy Spyfall episodes, that was you weren't excited to see him. Oh, I was stoked when I saw him. But if you would have talked to me, or if we would have talked about it prior to the Master showing up, I would have been like, you know what, Missy did, Miss, Michelle Gomez did such a great job with her version of the Master. The way that her episode ends with Sims and kind of Missy sacrificing herself kind of this weird turnabout of her character towards the end of her run. Um, I would have been like, eh, I think, I think we're ready to let the master rest for a little bit longer. Um, that said, when the master shows up, 
the way that it takes place um, playing opposite of Capaldi or uh, Whitaker's doctor and really the way that he was played in Spyfall, I I was bought in almost immediately. There, there's something about the way that uh, the master is played against Whitaker that's just fascinating to me. Yeah, the way that, and I, I know I'd said it on the Facebook page, our group, so for those of you that follow that, you're hearing me say it again, but I think that it's really cool how the different versions of the Master have really complemented the Doctor that they're kind of facing. Mm-hmm. And, in a, and in some way, even in like age, I think, you know, I don't know the exact ages of the actors that are playing these characters, but I, I believe it's probably pretty close. Um, you know, you see Sims uh, against um, Tennant, and it's like two younger guys, kind of, you, you could see them being friends that grew up together, right? Yeah. And then Missy and Capaldi are a little bit older, and almost like a, like they were like ex-lovers or something, in a way. And then with uh, Sasha Dewan and Jodie Whittaker, they also seem to be kind of around the same age and kind of more younger, hip kind of people i don't know so it's just they 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 complement each other well and you can see how it's like they were supposed to be you know friends they they kind of grew up at the same time and it it makes sense that maybe you wouldn't have um a super young actor playing the doctor and a super old actor playing the master kind of facing off against each other it seems like this is kind of how the they should keep doing it is always have them complement each other that would be interesting, though, what you just call out in regards to, like, an older master, a younger doctor, or maybe vice versa. That would be an interesting dynamic. But the way that Dewan plays the master, there's such this, like, this crazy intensity <laughs> to the way that that he goes about it. And he can go from being, frankly, quite scary to all of a sudden just, like, crack a quick joke and then back to being quite scary. He doesn't seem as sometimes Missy came across as goofy off the wall or bananas. I think as she put it, but this doc, this master is, is really like frightening at times. Yeah. He's intimidating. And, but the thing I like about him is he is very calculating. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's a good way to put it. And I think he definitely is closer to the way Sims played the doc, played the master than than Missy's version. I, I see more parallels there, but I think like Sims could get a little bit cheesy and goofy. And for Sasha, I think his version is way more intimidating. Like it just seems like this guy's got it all figured out, and he could snap at any moment. But he also has a level of sanity that is dangerous. And Missy, I don't know, for whatever reason, Missy to me felt like just comp- she was just completely unhinged. Yeah. Whereas yeah. he has moments of being unhinged. So, right. He has moments of being unhinged. He is calculating. And yet he also has like this aspect of him where he's willing to take these really far out risks. <laughs> like later on in the episode with the death particle where he... Um, ends up shrinking Ashad and he's like I kind of took a gamble here and thought that the death particle would come out and it would end everything <laughs> it was worth it great gamble um, but like 
he's willing to to kind of react in the moment, knowing full well what the potential possibilities are. Um, but he is very calculating. Yeah, and some of the dialogue between him and the doctor was great. You know, the part where he's first introducing her to, you know, kind of what he did to Gallifrey. And he's like, um, aren't you going to ask me why I did this? Like, <laughs> yes. Why did you do this? I'm not telling, you know, kind of, um, you know, he just, I don't know. I, I loved it. I loved the banter, but it's, yeah, it, it was really interesting. Do, for when they were on Gallifrey and you see everything destroyed, kind of how it is. Am I wrong that they've never really explained how he destroyed Gallifrey? We just know oh, he yeah. did. No, they they've never explained that. Okay. Um, kind of just take it for what it is, I guess. Yeah, it is interesting because the master in and of himself, it's not like he's this like powerful being that's just going to show up and just you know shoot lasers out of his hands and decimate a planet. Like he's got to have something that he did, you know, either with some force that he partnered with or um some kind of cataclysm that he kicked off like i don't know it's interesting because you see it It almost the way it looks it's almost like it just recently happened because it's almost like you can still see the ash in the air yeah it looks similar to what we saw in some of the episodes where you see the daleks attacking um i believe it was in capaldi series where the buildings are kind of in half and burn out and you're right. There's still ash in the air, still fires, stuff like that. Um, it looks very recent, but yeah, they, they never go, they never go into depth to, uh, to explain that much. Hmm. They probably never will. <laughs> probably not. Um, and honestly, I never really thought of it until you just mentioned it now. So I don't know if I need that explanation. Right. Yeah. And it's probably, that's probably exactly what they're thinking. Just we know he did it, but we don't really know why. Or we, yeah, well, we I, know why, but we don't know how. Right. And I think there's there's things which might which now that you mention it, that might be interesting because we find out that the reasoning behind it was hacking into the matrix. Now, did he destroy Gallifrey first and then hack into the matrix, or did he hack into the matrix first and then destroy Gallifrey? It would seem like it was that way around that he hacked in, found the information, and then destroyed everything. Right, because he said that he was so upset by the lies that he was being told, and that's right. kind of what kicked it off. So, right, he he must have done that first and then destroyed everything. But I guess you're not supposed to think too much into it because, you know, you have this planet that just looks completely decimated, but somehow he was able to, like, not uh, destroy all the bodies. Yeah, he, sa he saved all the bodies in a vault. Another thing where he's just – he's – He's an interest, not an interesting character. That sounds wrong. That sounds like I'm a little um, <laughs> off kilter as well. But somehow he preserved all the bodies. He even makes a joke about to the Cybermen of like, I'll roll out the red carpet. And then he side conversation to the doctor saying it's red because of the blood of our people. Like he is, he is unhinged, but not to the point of being bonkers like we saw with missy there's something there's something else going on there where he seems capable of the threats that he's giving and he's not easily intimidated either anytime the doctor would come at him he would just be he would just shrug it off and go about what he wanted to do anyways and and although it seems like um you know he killed he, he killed 
the people in Gallifrey out of anger or whatever, it does seem like there's some calculating behind it because if his ultimate goal was to create these these time lords that were inside of cyber armor to make them more invincible, you would need to have a lot of you would need to partner with the Cybermen, you need to have a lot of dead time lords. Yeah. And so he it was definitely like, has some his, contingencies built in. Right. So it was almost like was his plan all along to do this, or was it just something that he came up with after he killed everyone? It was like, oh well now that I've killed everyone, maybe I can find a way to, you know, use Time Lord science and make it so I can put them inside of Cyberman armor. Yeah. I'm not sure of his motivation because there's a couple times that throughout the episode where Ashad would say something or he would discover something. And it seemed like in that moment, he's doing a really fast pivot. Like when, when uh, Ashad mentions the death particle, the, uh, the, the master makes a statement like, Oh, so that's what you have planned. Like, that's what your end goal is. Like he didn't know exactly what the Cybermen were looking to do, but now that he knows he's going to play off that to kind of move his plan forward. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's I, I I wonder how much of it was planned and how much of it he's just really good at thinking on his feet. A lot of improvisation going on, but I love the conversation about uh, robots. Yes, he was like, <laughs> he's like, oh, so you just want to be a robot, you know? Because because Ashad's basically saying, yeah, we we're gonna do away with the need for these organic parts and we're gonna ascend and you know become fully mechanical. And then he's like, oh, so robots. Yeah. He's like, you know, that's so boring. There's so many robots in the universe. If you throw a stick, you'll hit one. I'll, I do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. like he, like almost like he does that for fun. Um, just the dialogue was brilliant, I thought, with, with the master. Yeah. And I feel like vast majority of the bigger moments, like the moments of explanation or the moments where a monologue was given, the master had those opportunities there. I think there's one scene towards the end where um, the master's like, I've broken you. And then the doctor's like, you think you broke me? And then she launches into one of her smaller monologues and it's like, Oh, she actually got her moment. And then immediately the master sucks the air out of it when he's like, so why are you here? Mm -hmm. So like the master has the master really, I feel like is, like the the spotlight is on him for this entire episode. He has some of the better lines. He has some of the the stronger moments. And I'm curious if that was intended or if that's just kind of like a byproduct of how well the the master was played throughout. It's actually one thing I don't like about uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor is it seems like when she does come up against another Time Lord, she tends to kind of defer to them. And we're so used to seeing the doctor kind of being, you know, taking charge and being the smartest one in the room and that type of situation. And when you see Jodie Whittaker come up against like Joe Martin, she, it seemed like she immediately deferred to her. Yeah. It was like Joe Martin was the, you know, was the true doctor almost. And, and Jodie Whittaker was the doctor that still had a lot to learn. And then same when she comes up against the master, it's like the master's always one step ahead of her. And even in how she kind of defeated him in a way didn't feel earned. And we, ultimately someone else came in and saved the day too. 
Okay, we can talk about that later because that is one thing that I wanted to ask you about um, at the end. But in regards to always deferring, I think we can even look at the last episode and look at how kind of how how her interactions with Ashad played out where she always seemed like she was on her heels. And I think we mentioned it at length last episode where it seems like previous doctors or other doctors, they would make statements and it would inspire fear or it would cause the the other character that they're talking to to take a step back or take a moment of reflection or to think or to recognize who they were talking to. I think that's something that has been consistent with Whitaker's doctor throughout this series and maybe even last series where it seems like, and I think we excused it last series where it was like, okay, Whitaker, Whitaker's doctor is still trying to figure out who she is trying to figure out kind of that identity crisis, really big into fam. This series though, it, it seems like, okay, she's found herself and she's still not all that confident. I'm curious though, based on some of the lines from this episode, if come into next series if we see that change maybe next series it's like okay the doctor now knows a little bit more about who she is and she can take that confidence moving forward yeah she hasn't really had that that moment you know like the 12th doctor had on the rooftop you know where he he's like he goes through the whole spiel and then he's like i'm the doctor yeah run you know um and Capaldi kind of had some moments like that too, where it was almost like just this ultra confidence where it's like, as much as sometimes the doctors don't overplay that trait when it, when it needs to come out, it comes out. Yeah. And I, we haven't seen that yet with Jodie Whittaker's doctor. And maybe, maybe that's just, you know, every doctor has a bit of a different personality than the previous doctors. And maybe that's just part of her version of the doctor is that this version of the doctor doesn't do that uh, says I'm sorry a lot and kind of <sighs> defers when needed and doesn't overplay the confidence and it's just a character trait or maybe it's just something we'll see come out later like you said yeah I'm hoping it's something that we see come out later I'm hoping that maybe after next series we look back and we can say like we we can refer to character development that took place it's just really interesting that at least in new who um, 9 10 11 12 all got these moments. They all had the opportunity to really declare, essentially, I am the doctor, and this is why you need to stop, pause, and pay attention. Whitaker, I'm hoping Whitaker gets that moment, and we do have the opportunity to look back and say, okay, it was just character development of the doctor coming to the realization of who they are and why everybody else needs to pay attention to that. So we're, we're talking a lot about the master... But let's talk, let's jump into the conversation around the big reveal, you know, the mystery of who's the timeless child, what's the big thing that's, that's going to change everything that we knew has now changed, you know, everything, everything. And we got some closure, I would say to the Brendan stuff, which was interesting. Yeah. Assuming that you read it the same way I did. No, I, I'm pretty sure that I read it and they, they kind of spelled it out or at least the master spelled it out as far as like the visual field and the hiding of stuff and the doctor, which I have to say, I didn't realize last episode, the doctor was having those visions. Um, right. I don't think that was super clear and possibly 
intentionally so that it wasn't clear that the doctor was seeing Ireland and Brendan and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's closure there. It just took me a while to actually grasp that there's closure there. Right. Yeah. And it, it makes, it made sense when they kind of revealed what that was, I guess in the last episode, maybe that was just supposed to be, cause that was the part that was, it, it felt so disconnected from what else was going on in the episode. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a bigger meaning behind it. It's an interesting device to kind of tease what, what happened with the doctor or kind of the reveal of what the, what the doctor truly is. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could decipher it. You, no one could have deciphered it without the key that we got. <laughs> oh, this, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so we find out the history that the Master reveals, you know, going into the Matrix and and revealing this history that was previously unknown. Um, and I guess we don't necessarily have to fully explain it all here because I'm assuming anyone that's listening to this watched the episode. But kind of some of the highlights is that this child that we had been seeing in these, you know, kind of glimpses, uh, this this young girl who was, you know, kind of standing by those pillars, now we know that that was uh, someone who came through this portal. Well, we have this, I guess, to go even further back, there's this explorer that's of the original species of people that lived on Gallifrey that finds this girl. And... Um, there's a lot of speculation as to who that girl was. And we come to find out that that's actually um, where the Time Lord started from. So it's this yeah. other species that came through the portal, which is a pretty big deal if you're going to, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of how big the changes were <laughs> that, that Chibnall decided to make and, you know, kind of how we feel about that. But, you know, he's basically rewriting what we knew about time lords you know we always thought when you hear the doctor talk about her home planet being gallifrey and the time lords are from gallifrey that's just you know that's what it is and now we're finding out that time lords actually didn't come from gallifrey yeah and i mean even at that like i guess time lords did come from gallifrey but where what the time lords were weren't time lords <laughs> that's right. they not were... what we knew as time lords right yeah exactly right they they had to have some modification to become the time lords that we have come to know as being time lords the way that it breaks down it does completely reframe a lot of what we have seen in the glimpses of gallifrey um seen of the gallifreyans the time lords that have shown up in random episodes for random reasons it, it kind of turns all of that on its head or reframes it. And now it's like, oh, wow, things things have gotten different. Things are a lot different than what we knew. In the Time Lord, so the kind of the big things that are different. So first off, the Doctor is the, the beginning of the Time Lords. The Doctor is the timeless child. That's, you know, she came through that portal. Not uh, from Gallifrey. Not from Gallifrey. We don't know. There could be more of them. So that maybe that's a storyline that they may chase eventually. Because, I mean, think about how much the Doctor was, you know, how connected the Doctor has been to Gallifrey. Yeah. And wanting to save Gallifrey and wanting to find Gallifrey at different points in the stories. And now suddenly Gallifrey is just where she ended up. But it's not really her home planet. So now there's this huge mystery that there's this other place that she's from that she knows nothing about. 
and there's the opportunity there for her to become obsessed with a new place and go find, you know, and go and try to find her, her original home and maybe her original people who are even more powerful than Time Lords because they don't have limited regenerations. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another, another big thing that you just referred to. So the doctor was not from Gallifrey, found on another planet and came through a portal on that other planet, brought back to Gallifrey. No one else, the Shabogan didn't regenerate. Spend Tactuan or what is her name? Uh Tactuan? Tech how do you say that? That's close. Okay. <laughs> she spends her entire life studying the timeless child, genetic modifications, and now she can regenerate. And then she passes it along to all the other Gallifreyans, I guess. Um so there were so so basically the Time Lords as we know them are the result of a scientific experiment. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. And do you think, so how well known do you think that information is? Because it seems like the doctor was oblivious of it. The master was as well until he went into the matrix. So it sounds like that's a secret that has been kept. Um, and that, you know, the time Lords probably for the most part, didn't even know their origins. Right. And the master makes some comment uh, at some point in the episode where he basically says like our time Lord parents or our time parents, they wanted to have a nice origin story, <laughs> essentially that we were, we were meant to rule. And so that information, as far as how they came about has been hidden from everybody. And it seems like it probably was only kept by those higher up and in the know. Um, some of the original ones, if you will, which, that would be like all the ones that have gone through 12 regenerations, I guess. Like all the ones that have been around for a quite some time because they can regenerate. So I don't think it's common knowledge. It definitely came across as a pretty big surprise, enough of a surprise that the master decided to wipe out everybody on Gallifrey. Yeah. Or just had an excuse to do it. Um, we got an email actually from a listener, Denise George who sent us an email kind of pointing out the fact that if the doctor is the kind of original, I guess you could call it the original time Lord that she wouldn't have needed. Um, so when the 12th doctor was dying and he needed to get new regenerations from the time Lords and Clara like begged them for it. Um, and it was a pretty big plot point, I would say kind of a big deal because the doctor, because that doctor, based on the rules of time Lords at the time, shouldn't have been able to regenerate again. And then he was gifted these lives. But um, as Denise points out in her email, why would, why would he have needed that if he had unlimited lives anyways? Yeah, because the, the gene splice that happened for the Gallifreyans, they decided to limit those to a maximum of 12 times. Not the doctor, right? As the original unlimited regeneration so why would they need to grant more at that point um yeah i mean she has so the person that sent us this email had a theory that uh, maybe it was just the time lords not actually giving him more regenerations or i can just read what she says uh, the time lords did not give him more regenerations they merely sent the suggestion that he could regenerate um this does two things it facilitates the regeneration in time to defeat the Daleks and also keeps the secret of the division or that the division has been keeping from the doctor all this time. 
So I guess if if you wanted to retro retroactively explain that, because I'm sure at the time, you know, Moffat was just kind of still abiding by the rules of Time Lords, and and it was the intention was that he would have needed more regenerations. But yeah, the Chip intention Null has was... decided to rewrite this. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm also curious because, I mean, ultimately only the division would know that the doctor didn't need more regenerations. So even if the time Lords did say, Hey, here's more regenerations. Who's to say that the time Lords even knew because the master was, wasn't in the know, the doctor wasn't in the know. Um, and we just kind of talked about how many people or how many time Lords would have known <laughs> that the doctor was a timeless child. Well, Probably not all that many. It could have been as simple as the fact that, you know, at the time the doctor thought he was limited to yeah. that many regenerations and so did Clara, and so, and the Time Lords thought he was too, and so the Time Lords sent over some free regenerations, but he didn't really need them anyways, but he didn't know that. Yeah, so I mean, it would have been a suggestion to him one way or the other, and he could have just regenerated as as needed. So. Right, like he would have, if they didn't send him more regenerations, he still would have regenerated and been surprised, like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so, so, So this is a pretty big change. Yeah, uh, huge. I mean, it's and it it changes the dynamic of the show. In my mind, um, and I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse. I don't. You might have been going somewhere, so I don't want to cut you off. No, no, I'm 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 on the edge of my seat. I want to oh. know where to go. <laughs> well, I feel like part of Doctor Who is the rules around the Doctor. And it was such a big deal when the War Doctor showed up because that shouldn't have been a thing, right? Right. You know, the Doctor has a certain number of regenerations and the Doctor knows all of his or her history. And so when a new Doctor shows up that's unexplainable, then it's kind of a big deal. And that's why it was such a big deal when Joe Martin's Doctor showed up because it was like, well, where, where does she fall? Because... If, you know, is she pre-Hartnell? Is she a forgotten doctor somewhere? It's a big deal when a doctor uh, kind of shows up out of order, <laughs> you know? There's these number, this numbering system that we've gotten so accustomed to. Yeah. And it's and it's, in, it's how we refer to the doctors a lot of times. You know, we say the first, uh, first doctor, the fourth doctor, 12, 10, you know, we talk about them and it's almost like their name. If you look them up, if you, if you Google you know, 12th Doctor, Matt Smith's face comes up. Um, so it's it's always been part of the identity of the Doctor and, like, which number is this Doctor? And I think this reveal in that the Doctor not only has unlimited gener- regenerations, it seems, but also has a num- who knows how many versions of themselves has come before Hartnell. And... Now it kind of throws the numbering out the window. And so I do think that that is part of the fabric of Doctor Who that has been changed now. And I don't know that I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I definitely get where you're coming from. I feel like some of that had already been changed though not to the degree that we're already that we just witnessed it changed but if we 
go back to Matt Smith regeneration more granted to him. It, it doesn't explain the things that came before, but at that point in time, we were even thrown into a little bit of a quandary in regards to, well, how many more regenerations have been added? Have it, have, has it simply been reset? Are there a couple more? I mean, technically, uh, Whitaker's doctor shouldn't exist if it wasn't for that. So we've already had to adjust our understanding of the, the numbering and the limit. Um, we've already had to wrestle through some of these weird situations. Once you throw in the war doctor, um, so I, I don't feel like it changes everything. If anything, though, I will say that it does open it up much wider moving into the future. So we no longer have to be like, oh, like, how are they going to write themselves out of this situation where the regeneration should be done now? Like, we're going to we're going to lose. We've we have lost it at this point. We never have to sit back and think. How many regenerations are left? It, the show can now continue on ad nauseum without ever having to address that again because the timeless child is not limited. I'm going to correct myself real quick because I believe I earlier referred to Matt Smith's doctor as the twelfth doctor. I, I was know that going it's the 11th to. Doctor, so. I was going to jump in and say that, but um, yes, the eleventh doctor is Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I. I figured I should correct myself as opposed to everybody that's screaming at the podcast right now. Correct. Me. Um. <laughs> well, when, when you first mentioned it, you said like, we'll get into the weird numbering thing. So I thought like, maybe I was, maybe we're now counting the war doctor as being nine and then right. 10 and technically I'm right. Right. Yeah, um, technically you're right. I mean, numbering means nothing at this point, right? You were I just, know. you were just proving a point. Right. Yeah. Accidentally proving a point, but yeah, I mean, I see where you're going with that, but I think that I would have completely been okay with the introduction of the idea of the doctor having unlimited regenerations. And I, I mean, essentially we already knew that was going to be the case. It's not like they're going right. to end the show just because yeah. the doctor runs out of regenerations. Um, Smith had already been gifted a whole new set of them. Right. So, yep. you know, I, you know, we'd have to get to doctor number you know, 25 or whatever it would be before we'd have to worry about this again, which is probably way off into the future. So, <laughs> They had essentially already given the unlimited <laughs> regenerations that we needed. I never saw that as an issue. For me, it's more it's more about the like like you had said there this this there's unlimited things that can happen now and they they can explain themselves out of things. I don't like that. I like it when they have to be creative. I like it when there isn't an easy out or an easy explanation to a new version of, doc of the doctor that shows up. When the war doctor showed up, there had to be a really good explanation as to what who that was. And they still made it a point that that doctor, you know, that was a version of the doctor that the doctor kind of was ashamed of. So they didn't really count it in the numbering order. So you have, although Smith was 12th doctor, was the 12th doctor and Capaldi was technically the 13th doctor and, and so on. They, they, they still didn't count the war doctor in the numbering. Right. And I feel like now it's just, it's just so open now. Like they could just be like, okay, let's have random person show up next season and say, Oh, that's a, that's a doctor. You know how many times now, 
is a cool character going to show up? And now the speculation is going to be, oh, that's just a, maybe that's a previous version of the Doctor. You know, suddenly it's not so special anymore. When yeah, you know there are thirteen, you know thirteen, fourteen people with the with this face or with a different face playing the same character. But now it's, it could be an unlimited amount, and that's I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, and that that aspect of it, I do understand. Like that the ability to base it so i don't think they're going to i don't think they're going to go back to hartnell and address or and change any of the numbering from the first to where we are with the 13th i think whitaker stays the 13th and we move forward and we can count moving forward do you think so you think they're going to still you don't think this is the the jumping off point where we downplay the numbering and the next doctor is not referred to as the 14th doctor Oh no, I don't I don't think we go that far. The huh. that said, are we going to see more war doctors, fugitive doctors? Do we have to now come up with or will we ever have some sort of timeline of doctors prior to Hartnell? And if so, like <laughs> is it like Dr. A, Dr. B, Dr. C? I mean, in this episode we literally ran through we, – we visually ran through like five or six. I think I counted seven. Seven regenerations of just in the, the timeless child. Yeah. So so will we ever have to put together a naming convention for anything prior to Hartnell as number one? I don't think we change one through 13. I think those stayed the same. We have the war doctor in the middle and I think we continue from, we continue with 14 from there. Hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm, but I do see, I, I do think we run the risk now of seeing fugitive doctor war doctor. We have all these other doctors that could possibly come in there. And in fact, I wonder if that's really going to be the basis of some of the series or some of the storylines of the series moving forward. I think they left the door wide open for that to be. Well, I, I, I can go two ways on that. Like, I feel like they left the door wide open for that to be a huge part of the story of the doctor's discovery of these new doctors or new characters of herself or versions of herself. But then on the other hand, there is a statement made where I wonder if it really matters at all. And if they ever explore it ever again. I hope they don't overdo it. I I like the fact that the Time Lords are rare and that running into another Time Lord doesn't happen that often. And I do think that this opens that possibility for a few, for previous versions of the Doctor to show up and not really know, you know, okay, what do we call this, this person? Um... But there's also the possibility of these division, you know, this this whole idea of the division. Oh, yeah. And this new kind of sect of Time Lords that there could be, you know, I know that Gallifrey got destroyed, but that doesn't necessarily mean everyone that lives on Gallifrey, you know, was on Gallifrey at that time. So, yeah. you know, Time Lords take vacations, right? And, so, and, I mean, we already had earlier in the season where Gat was not on Gallifrey. Like, she was alive and Gallifrey was destroyed. Um, yeah, so now, there's... I think that there's enough potential for characters like the Master, for these Division members, um, that they could have still had you know the Doctor run across other Time Lords without it actually being previous versions of the Doctor. In fact, I will adamantly 
say right now, I don't want to ever see a previous version of the Doctor show up. Joe Martin? Other than, I mean, she's she's here. She's part of the lore now. And I'm fine with that. But I don't want any more. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to see every version. You know, I don't need there to be, like, an official, like, okay, here's the seven regenerations and this is what, you know, I... I kind of like like okay this is this is kind of a cool thing that you guys have introduced it it surprised me I like it when you surprise me but let's not dig too deep into that stuff okay I, I want the doctor to be what we've known them to be up to this point and then move forward okay so I I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's not the direction they're going I think the the curious part of me wants to know who all of those were. I want to know where Joe Martin fits into it. But the fact that the doctor has these lines um, during the episode, I'm going to read it. Where do you fit into all this? Were you me all that time ago? Were all my memories of you erased? Did they force me back into becoming a child? How many more of me are out there? And then Ruth, the fugitive doctor replies, have you ever been limited by who you were before? To me at that point, it's like, the doctor is asking those questions that we in the audience are asking as well. We want to know where all these things fit in, how many more are out there. Was she forced back into a child and then regenerated from that point? We are asking all those questions. And basically, Ruth, as the doctor, Joe Martin's doctor says, it really doesn't matter. Does that really determine who you are now? I bet, to me, part of part of me feels like that is Chibnall in his writing through the character of the doctors saying, you have all these questions. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. We've established this as part of the story. Now we can move on. Hmm. And I, I think that because of what we've learned in this episode that we that they are going to start to train us not to number the doctors anymore. <laughs> I think that I I actually disagree. I don't I don't know that the next doctor will be uh referred to as the 14th doctor. I think that they're trying to kind of move move past that. So, and I, and I've even noticed they don't really ever refer to Jodie Whittaker as the 13th doctor very often. I think and we might be beating beating the dead horse on this one, but at what point does the timeless child become the doctor? Maybe the doctor starts at Hartnell and that's how we number them. And everything before Hartnell was not the doctor. Hmm. That's true. I could buy that because the origin of the name doctor didn't happen until Hartnell. Or possibly. I guess it started at Joe Martin because that's true. The fugitive doctor took the name doctor crap. That theory is out the door, isn't it? Well, some of the stuff that we even said, um, I think there's still a lot of mystery around Joe Martin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it would be easy to just slot her in and say, okay, well, if there was all these previous regenerations, then she's just one of those. But there's still kind of the hang-up of like, well, why would the TARDIS look the way it looks? And so on. Because um, it didn't do the chameleon circuit, didn't become a, a police box until Hartnell. Yep. So why would hers look like that if she's pre-Hartnell? So... There's still some mystery there where I don't necessarily think that, that we know everything about where she fits in. And and I think she possibly still could be a version of the Doctor that, that comes after Hartnell. Okay, since we're already there, <laughs> will we ever get that revealed? 
Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's possible that we'll get it revealed, but I don't think it's necessary to be revealed. And I think that maybe what was intended for Joe Martin is going to be expanded because of the impact that that character had. So maybe they brought her into the show just to kind of play this role of like this mysterious version of the doctor that leads us to this episode. But now I think that if they didn't already have plans for her, they will bring her back. I, th- I fully expect to see her, her version of the doctor again um, in the future. Okay. Now will we get a lot of explanation around her? Maybe not. I well, just, maybe she's the fourteenth doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know, honestly. Like again, after this episode, I kind of feel like they laid laid her doctor to rest. I'm it not did have that. It, I see where I, I see what you're saying because it definitely there was some finality to it that if she never showed up again, um, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me too much. Yeah, I I feel like in a way they put a stamp on it and they said, this is resolved. And there's, there's no indicators in this episode where it's like, I'll see you around or I'll be back. Or it, it seems like, Hey, it's done. Um, not that I, not that that's what I want. I, I was, I enjoyed Joe Martin's Joe Martin's doctor. I would like to see a couple adventures with Joe Martin's doctor, but I don't know. It just felt very final to me. Yeah, and it could be a thread that gets picked up. You know, we saw something like that with River, you know, where she showed up and then she kind of got picked up later on by another time or by another uh, showrunner. Yeah. So it could be something that maybe Chibnall doesn't have plans for her, but the next showrunner is like, hey, you remember that really cool character? Let's bring her back and, you know, put her as part of the story. So, I mean, I think there's constant, there's always going to be possibility for a return of that kind of character. I'm more curious if Jack, if Captain Jack was just purely brought in for that quick cameo um, and we never see him again. Yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I think it's going to be a long time before we see him again. I don't think there's anything in the books for him to show up. And it was just one of those, hey, this would be really cool. Let's do it. And then him drop the line. I'll be back. It might not be anytime soon, but at some point in the future, I'll be back. Yeah, I think John Barrowman just had been begging them so much that they finally threw him a bone. <laughs> like, fine, we'll put you in one episode. <laughs> if you're going to keep saying that you're going to be on the show, we'll do it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've been talking a ton about that that side of things. I, think, I mean, that's the biggest the biggest mystery, I guess, with that yeah, was revealed. I... I mean, honestly, like the rest of the episode for I, not that it wasn't good. It really was good, but it kind of plays out how you would expect. The companions are split up. They all have their own struggles. They come back together. There's the surprise happiness of showing up in Cyberman armor. And then they're like, oh, we have to go get the doctor. Um, and the doctor the entire time is working through these mysteries that we've just spent time talking through. The master is being the master. Um, a shot, it was essentially just a set piece. I mean, he gets shrunk down without any, any pomp and <laughs> pomp and circumstance or whatever. At that moment, it's just like, oh, wow, he's gone now, which honestly, I really enjoyed the fact that the master just kind of 
dealt with it. It's over. And it wasn't just like this huge buildup and, oh my goodness, is this going to happen? It just happened. I think that indicates or it shows how in control of the situation the master really was at that point. Yes, I agree. I I like to shod for the role he played, but then once the master shows up, it's like he's the master. Yeah, and, and it was redundant that was, at that point. Yeah, he easily dispatched with a shod, which I, I actually really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, so how it goes forward, though, is that the doctor ultimately, and I'm jumping straight to the end, the doctor is faced with really the the horrible decision of unleashing the the death particle for all of Gallifrey um, and saving everybody else on a TARDIS that they get flown back to the 21st century and destroying everything else. The way that played out, I have questions about. Okay. So she's standing there saying, I'm going to do it. The master gets in her head. Basically, the master's like, "You, you created me, but I've destroyed you. In essence, I feel like it's more he's feeling you created me, but in a way I've destroyed the character of who you are because you're about to wreak massive death across all of Gallifrey and I win because I've made you to be like me. But that's not what happens, right? Kosharmus rushes in and he's the one that triggers the blast. So my big question that I wanted to ask you, does does the doctor win in that instance because she doesn't use the bomb or does she lose because she can't do it? Like, it, are we supposed to see this as a victory because she held true to herself or was that all just fear? And essentially we see the doctor run away scared of what she could have done. Well, we know the doctor wasn't going to do it. You know, it wasn't like Kosharma showed up and pulled it out of her hand before she could do it. She had already decided not to do it. Right? Like she had, you know, her thumb had kind of already gotten off the button and she was already giving up. Um, I don't think it's a negative for what, for the fact that the doctor wasn't willing to do it. Um, I did think it was a little odd that Kosharmus was the one that shows up ultimately. <laughs> this would have been a, a, a great spot for Graham or Yaz, you know, to, to come in and, and be that heroic character and kind of have their heroic death. This guy just didn't, he just felt like such a side character. <laughs> um, and he had lost some credibility in my mind. Um, in the the first introduction of the guy, he seemed kind of cool. In this episode, I him and Ryan, every, every time him and Ryan were hanging out, I was just waiting for the those scenes to be done. Again, he seemed a couple fries short of a happy meal at yeah, times. Yeah, he was a bit, he was a bit uh, disconnected. Like he was, he a, spent a lot of time alone. yeah but yeah so it was interesting you know he comes running in and then i don't know it didn't it didn't have any kind of emotional impact for me i didn't care that he died i didn't care that it was almost like he ruined the moment because it was such a serious moment between the doctor and the master two of these major characters across all of doctor who and then some random kosharmus shows up and kind of (laughs) does his thing and i'm like oh man that was kind of anticlimactic and then the doctor kind of runs off and i mean i guess the the, i mean nobody's thinking the master died right like we know he got off the planet right i mean there's 
in the last moment, right as the bomb goes off, he like he yells, um, "All of you through here now!" Right. So where is he leading them? Into and... another TARDIS. I mean, how many TARDISes did we see right. in this episode? Right. Exactly. Like into another TARDIS. One weird thought I had is that he had already uploaded his consciousness into the Matrix. So no matter what happens, like there's still a record of him there, right? He He's not going to have an organic body, but he lives on. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's dead. No, I think they were implying that maybe not only he got away, but also some of his... his Cyber uh, masters. Cyber master warriors. Um, and so, so my biggest criticism is probably this episode is the scenes with like Ryan and Kosharmas. Um, <laughs> just, I don't know, I just... Ryan, I like Ryan's like so hit and miss for me. I like Ryan, but this episode I didn't like Ryan at all. He just sometimes gets way too goofy, and the whole part where he like throws a bomb that just happens to be shaped like a basketball. Yeah, you know? and he throws it a very long distance across like a massive gorge or ditch. Right. Yeah. Like no human can throw uh something that far. Right. Right. Yeah, it was, it was it was an interesting, and then he you know it blows up, and then he has his little moment like, oh yeah, you can't mess with Ryan Sinclair, you know, kind of thing. It just as goofy as he's been in the past. This this seemed way over the top for him. It, it seemed almost out of character, even for Ryan. So I wasn't I wasn't on board with it, you know the stuff with Ryan and Kosharmas and them trying to you know kind of defeat the Cybermen on their own. I did like I did like Graham and Yaz. In their moments, and kind of the funny interaction where Graham is kind of pouring his heart out to her about how much he respects her, and then she, you know, kind of just gives him a little, oh yeah, you're not so bad yourself. You know, I thought that was yeah. all very touching, but also funny. And I do think that they're they're trying to really show that Yaz is the, you know, if if the three companions had a leader, it was it's definitely Yaz. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's there's there's no argument there. Um, she's always the. I mean, she was the first one to go through the boundary. She's mm-hmm. the one that like literally grabs the doctor to keep the doctor from leaving, and the doctor has to say, "Get off me, yes." Um, which I is a funny line. It's emotional in the moment, but the more that I read it or think through it, it's like, yeah, that's a really funny line. But yeah, Yaz is definitely the the leader. She's the one that everybody looks up to. Right. But so I didn't love the Ryan and Kosharma's parts of the episode. And I thought the master, you know, the whole idea of these, you know, merging Time Lords and Cybermen and then kind of the design of those Cybermen with their their headpieces and stuff. I just I, I wasn't really loving all that either. Yeah, I see that's I if I were to knock anything about this episode, that would be it. Um, the cyber masters and not really the concept of them. Um, but purely the way that they looked when they walked through the door, like they're wearing capes. Um, they have the weird wings coming off their head. They have the Gallifreyan symbols etched into their armor. I could have done with the etching. Sure. I, w- I could have excused that, but the massive wings coming off their head and then the cape, it was a little excessive. Like, Yes, you had to set them apart. Yeah, they they looked ridiculous. You had to set them apart from every other Cyberman that we see walking around. But it really did look ridiculous. Coach Armis and Ryan. Ryan was goofy. 
it kind of was reminiscent to the ghost monument where he like picks up the gun and he goes yeah. call of duty. It was very reminiscent of that version of Ryan, which I also think is interesting because early in the episode, he's like, I don't know how I feel about weapons. The doctor has really drilled it into Ryan by this point. We don't deal with weapons. And that's where Kosharmas drops the line. Like you can be a pacifist tomorrow, but you need to fight today. Um, I didn't mind their interaction so much, but <laughs> it was that goofy thing where he shoots and he's like hoops or like swish Ryan Sinclair hoops like weird <laughs> language but I don't know there's so many things in this episode where it's like well they did add that basketball scene very early on in the series kind of setting up potentially that Ryan would shoot a basketball in this episode <laughs> that's such there's a, all these such a stretch though and he I... it's not even been established like he was playing pick up basketball in his dress clothes like he wasn't I know, but even... we literally asked what is ryan doing playing basketball especially in his dress clothes and it's like oh well he shoots a basketball in the very last episode of the series no other time have they ever mentioned basketball i think they literally put that one scene in there to establish the fact that he could shoot a basketball and say swish in the very final episode of the series uh. like I feel like they've made a lot of connections, although minor throughout every episode so far. But anyways, didn't really throw me off all that much. Kosharmus is, I mean, the, the wheel's spinning, but the hamster's dead. There's something weird about <laughs> the guy, but I do, <laughs> there's something about how cheesy he is at time. And honestly, I feel like they got a big name actor to play a very small role. And the guy just like went over the top every stinking time um he was more subtle in the in the first episode he was but he was he was still kooky the first episode like the weird i mean we called it out like the weird like excitement about the boundary like walk closer like it's going to respond as you walk closer to it like he was weird i thought he was going to kill him then well that's right Uh you said you had a weird feeling about him but i i didn't agree yeah, and I I feel like the first episode, if they were gonna have him be so kooky in the second episode, I would have liked to see that a little bit more in the first episode. Yeah, it felt yeah. like the character had changed significantly in a short amount of time. I could see that. I could see that. I think he's still just. I think he's as kooky in both episodes. Um, it, it just didn't come out yet. Yeah, he just didn't. He just wasn't running around with guns, laughing as he shot Cybermen. Yeah. Um, or he didn't have a bomb tucked away in his tunic ready to blow up at any point in time. Yeah, he just happened to... I like how he just happened to have one more bomb. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, but this one can only be triggered if you hold it in your hand. <laughs> and the doctor's response was, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> right. He so. even knew that it was a, a phone-in at that point. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is kind of... Well, no, I was going to compare it to something in the past, but I'm changing my mind on that one. But... Yeah, I I thought that the reveals of the history of the Time Lords and the Doctor and the history of the Doctor, I thought that was the 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 strength of this episode. And well, let's not forget about the Master and the Master's performance was really the strength. The episode as a whole, actually, I didn't think was great, um, but it was a device. It was the vehicle to kind of bring a huge change to to what we know about Doctor Who. And so I think in and of itself, I guess 
that makes the episode very important. But I thought the some of the episode was not not well done, and I'm ex- I'm interested to see where things go from here with the master. I think we won't see him for a while. You know, he may have escaped with some of these cyber time lords, and maybe that's setting up a big storyline that's going to happen like late next season or something. But I don't think it's going to go right into you know. Um, him showing up with some kind of cyber army or something. Yeah. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be exit stage left um, for a while. I am curious just in regards to what this is setting up. I mean, we have, we have so much that we could go on um, and start to speculate in regards to what future series could be. And maybe that, maybe that would be, something good just to talk to for another episode of the podcast. Like what are we set up to see in a future series? Um, the highlights, I mean, to me, the master, the master carried this one. Um, really he did even in the reveals of who the doctor was timeless child tying some of these loose ends together. We had Ruth show up, we had Brendan, um show up in in a little bit of a way the reveal of the division i mean there's some major things that get revealed but throughout all of that the one constant is the master um he is always that voice in the background that's narrating what we're saying um he's the driving force throughout every bit of conflict throughout the episode so the master is is majorly the main character um the 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 main high point throughout this episode for me and now we have so the doctor you know kind of at the very end they they escape and the doctor's in the tardis and the doctor's like okay i'm gonna go you know pick up my friends and then the you know the jadoon show up (laughs) of all of all people they show up and they imprison her and that's kind of where the episode leaves us hanging where she's on some kind of prison asteroid type thing. And we don't really know where it's going from here, other than the fact that the title of the special has been revealed. Yeah. The The revelation of the Daleks revelation of the Daleks. So, so yeah. And maybe Chibnall just, because that's the new year special was about Daleks. Yeah. And now this special sounds, seems like it's going to be about Daleks. So maybe Chibnall is just, saving the Daleks only for the specials. Yeah. I, again, I'm curious to see where this is going to go because the, the, all the companions are alive. They're back on earth. They can get back to their normal life. And the doctor intended on going and picking them up, but I'm curious to know how much time passes before she does go and pick them up. And then when she does show back up, how many of them want to get back on the TARDIS with her? Um, there has been a history of of the Doctor kind of going it alone sometimes in specials. Yeah. yeah. So it would be interesting maybe if we get a full episode without companions. And maybe, you know, the Doctor meets someone else while in this prison. And, you know, that's kind of the de facto companion for the special. Water of Mars style. Yeah, right. And... and um, I do think that just because these three have survived this season doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the companions next season. I think that there's a possibility because I mean there's been plenty of examples of of 
companions leaving the TARDIS without dying. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe that's where we get, you know, we're going to get a third season with Jodie Whittaker. Um, but Doctor Who kind of has a bit of a track record for, you know, switching out companions or the Doctor or both, um, you know, after a couple seasons. So I wonder if maybe we will retain the Doctor but get a new companion or, you know, maybe all three of them decide to kind of go about their lives and we get some new companions uh, if if the next season has something in store for us that's different than these first two seasons. Yeah, I, again, I feel like there's so many possibilities open for the next series. Um, I feel like all the loose ends have been tied up. I tried to think of any loose ends that have not been tied up um, up to this point, but I feel like they've tied up every single loose end, every single thing that needed to be resolved up to the finale. But then I feel like the finale actually opened the door for a lot of more potential things. Um, it will be interesting to see how many of these become stories in and of themselves leading into future series. Yeah. So awesome so we gotta wait um another how many months nine months something like that. yeah i mean it's it's march so we got nine months to wait whether it's a christmas special or new year's special uh i think there's still some question up in the air about that right so we have quite a while to wait um in the meantime we will i think we'll probably come back and do kind of a full season recap episode yeah, we're all about our, our ranking of episodes, so we got to yeah. get something in there. Rank, yeah, and then there's a possibility we might do some more episodes in between as well. Uh, we we still have to kind of figure out what that content might be. So if you guys have any any requests or ideas for what you might want to hear from us between now and December, then uh, we're more than happy to hear them. But until then you can find all of our episodes on itunes or i guess i should ask you if you had anything else you want to talk about before i assume <laughs> that you're done was there anything else that you wanted to discuss that we didn't uh, discuss no it's fine we can I, the division i think that's huge yeah I don't why it's huge um well that's another thing we were wrong about referenced again but it is a to me it's a very strange aspect to throw into Doctor Who, but, um, yeah, these, like the idea of these Time Lord agents, you know, yeah, yeah, are kind of going rogue and, and not necessarily following the laws or rules that the Time Lords have established about not intervening with time and, and things like that definitely opens the potential. Yeah. For... And doing the whole, like, we don't really exist. Like there's no operatives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's no such thing as the division. And then we saw how at a flip of a switch, Joe Martin's doctor could go straight up Jason Bourne on people. Um, That's true. So I'm, I'm really interested to know how that works out. Um, and hopefully they're not just establishing some of these things to make audiobooks and comics out of. <laughs> I'd be slightly disappointed in that, but if they go that route, so be it. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing that it's like, it's still, it's lingering in the back of my mind. What does the division actually mean moving forward? I believe and with that, we will see, I'll say I'm done. Yeah, I believe we will see more of the division in the show. 
I think I think that's fair. A fair that's a safe bet. But yeah, so I think we can wrap up then. Um, you guys, uh, thank you for listening to our episode. And this is actually episode ninety nine, I believe, of of Bad Wolf Radio. So we are approaching our hundredth episode. Yeah, that's which, uh, that's crazy. That is kind of crazy. And um, but you can find all ninety nine of these episodes on iTunes. You can also find us on find us on our website, badwolfpodcast.com. And you can join us over at our Facebook group. We've gotten a couple new people that have joined recently. Lots of fun discussion going on over there with all of our regulars. And we appreciate uh, you guys keeping that group fun and keeping it going. And until next time. I can think of a worse place to spend eternity. Oh, yeah. She's talking to the tree TARDIS. Yeah, the, 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 the tree TARDIS. We had the house TARDIS, the tree TARDIS. We had the blue TARDIS, the white TARDIS. Some of the cooler, I, w- I will say that, I, I was, I like the choices. I like the house showing up and kind of matched with the houses that were in yeah. the area. It made sense. I like the fact that there was a tree. I'm, it's better than the diner. It's better than the diner. It does make me wonder, like, how many TARDISes has the Doctor just stashed on Earth somewhere? She basically parked the tree TARDIS and was like, well, you're going to sit here forever. Right, and yeah. He, I mean, previously it would be like, well, no one could ever cut it down and no one could ever move it. But it seems like now you can move a TARDIS wherever you want to. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. But <laughs> I think it was probably not. Um, well, yeah, that's true. You see, this is where I don't like it. The, it opens up the... Because I was going to say, oh, no, I think the TARDIS is pretty special, and the Doctor probably hasn't been in that many. But, you know, nothing special we've, anymore, man. Between Capaldi and Whitaker, I mean, we've seen at least five TARDISes. Well, now we have. Yeah, now. After this episode. Thanks, Chibnall. I mean, Martin's, doctor, or Martin's TARDIS, we had the Diner TARDIS... Tree TARDIS, uh, but house you TARDIS. could say that Martin's TARDIS is the same as the as Whitaker's TARDIS. That's Do not we a know different that, TARDIS. I mean, it would be quite a coincidence if they both were the Chameleon Circuit shows police boxes for both. Of them. <laughs> I think that that that's a pretty big tell that it's the same TARDIS. The TARDIS that Martin's TARDIS landed on Earth and was like, "Huh, I see another TARDIS disguised as a police box. That must be the best way to do that." Hmm. And then chooses a police box. That was totally not true because they would be really far apart. And the tree TARDIS was much closer to the police box TARDIS. So I don't think it made that choice. But, uh, at this point, okay. we're rambling. Yeah. TARDISes. Have good. If you're still listening, Jason, thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the TARDIS content. Jason always (laughs) listens to the end no matter how long we go. Our podcast is longer on the outside.